Welcome to Grace to All. I'm your host, Paul Gray. You've probably used the word grace, sang Amazing Grace, or said grace at a meal. But did you know that God's grace is way better than we can even imagine, and that you and all people already have an abundant supply of God's unlimited amazing grace? Today, we're going to hear the truth about God's amazing grace to all people. So, sit back, relax, and prepare to be inspired and awakened to the amazing treasures that you already possess. This is truth that you can handle. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Grace to All with Paul Gray. You know, many of you, I know because you've told me, and I've seen it, and I've heard about it from other people, many of you are able to be joyful in the midst of this worldwide fear and anxiety caused by the coronavirus. Many of us are joyfully living out our hope. We're not afraid, we're not obsessed, and we're not panicked. And many of you have had other people ask you, how can you be so joyful and not be afraid and not be panicked? And many of you have had an answer for people when they ask you. And you know, Jesus wants us to have an answer for our hope and to be able to clearly and confidently proclaim that answer. Sometimes when people ask me things about my faith, I stumble around and, well, I, I don't know, I, 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 you know, I don't know. And it's a good thing for us to maybe spend a little time to understand why we're confident in our hope. So I'm going to take a little time today to clarify, at least for me, and to help us all maybe to be able to really get a handle and clearly be able and, and succinctly to give an answer for the hope that we have. And in the process, this will also help us, I've come to find, when we're tempted to give in to fear and to panic and to become obsessed by the negative. Just today, when I'm recording this, we got an email and opened up the paper in the morning and found out that our city's been literally shut down. We've been ordered by the Department of Health not to go out of our houses unless it's absolutely important. Or we can go out for a walk if we stay at a good distance from other people. So... Well, this has come to pass. It hadn't come to stay, but still, it's troubling while we're doing this. So it's really been helpful for me to clarify some things, and I'm going to give you what I've identified for me. What, what are the reasons why I'm not afraid and not worried and not panicked? They may be different for you, probably will be, but at least hopefully this will help you to start to clarify and maybe get down on paper and, and commit to memory some things so that when people ask you, you're able to give them a reason for your hope. For me, it's because I know that I know that I know these five core truths that I'm going to give you about the really good news. The first one is I'm absolutely rock solid on the fact that God is totally good. There's nothing bad, nothing dark, nothing evil at all about God ever. Second one is God is love and God loves everyone unconditionally. Grace to all. There are no conditions, no limits, no stipulations, no requirements. God's unconditional love, grace, and inclusion is totally one way and totally unconditional. Third, I'm absolutely rock solid that God has already included you and me 
and all people in the Trinity's divine triune circle dance of love and all of the expressions of love, joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and the faith of Christ and gentleness and Holy Spirit power and grace and compassion and mercy, all of those things. Number four, I'm absolutely rock solid on the fact that you and I and all people are inseparably one with God forever. Oneness in action. And number five, I'm absolutely rock solid that God is continually working all things for the good for all people. We can do all things through Christ who lives in us and as us. See, having unshakable, absolute confidence in these core truths is, for me, it's like being hooked up to a perpetual living IV that's going into a port in my arm, and the medicine that's coming in from the great physician is curing all fear, all worry, and all panic. And it needs to continually come in because we get tempted to worry and panic again, don't we? It's like it's producing this antidote. It's, it's actually producing a new virus in us or a new condition in us, the love-joy virus, a good virus. And that virus is continually growing and multiplying and is pervasive and highly contagious, the unconditional love and joy virus. The love and joy virus is alive and well, and you test positive for it. You really do. Now, Jesus, I believe, wants us all to know that there was, past tense, a bad virus, the fear virus, and it's actually dead, and it has no power except what we give it in our minds. That's the only place that fear exists in our minds, and it's actually a false existence. Objectively, the love-joy virus is alive and well and living in us and as us and through us. And Jesus and the Holy Spirit and Papa are all about revealing that to us so that subjectively we know what's already in us and we can live it out. God is all about speaking and revealing things to us. You might remember the story about Peter. When Jesus might have met Peter a time or two, we don't know for sure about that. But one day when Jesus was starting out his ministry, before he'd even called the disciples, he was speaking and people gathered around him and it was on a lakeside and they gathered around him so much that they were forcing him into the lake. Well, that happened to be in the morning when Peter and his fishing partners, his commercial partners in their fishing business, were there cleaning their nets because they'd been out fishing all night and they hadn't caught anything. And so Jesus was, he was getting forced into the water by this crowd thonging around him. So he asked Peter if he could get into his boat and speak. Well, he did. And Peter and James and Andrew, they're kind of stuck there because they're, they can't get away because for one thing, Jesus is in their boat. And for another thing, all these people are surrounded. Him. Okay. So Jesus teaches for a while. We don't know how long, but uh, it was a great teaching. We know that. And when he got done, he sort of said, like, maybe even offhandedly, hey, Peter, why don't you guys, I know you didn't catch any fish. Why don't you get back in your boat and go out and cast your nets and you're going to catch some fish this time. And all the people are watching Peter to see what he's going to do, you know. And so 
Peter said, well, uh, with all due respect, sir, this is the wrong time of day, and we've already been fishing, and we know that there aren't any fish here to be caught, but because you say so, we'll sort of humor you and we'll do it. So they get in their boats, they go out, they throw their nets out, and they catch so many fish that the nets begin to sink the boats. Well, they bring the fish in because that's, you know, what they do for a living. They're going to sell those fish and they're going to eat some for their own family. But in the process, Peter realized that Jesus, he didn't yet realize he was God, but he realized that he was sent from God. And Peter said, oh, go away from me, Lord, because I'm a, a sinful man. Peter had that concept that God was going to strike him dead when he saw God face to face. He didn't know that Jesus was God, but he knew he was sent from God. And Jesus said, no, 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 don't worry. Don't be afraid. Everything's cool. And he spent three years then showing him that. And then towards the end of that three years, Jesus asked the disciples one time, he said, well, who does everybody say I am? And they gave these different answers that people were saying. And Jesus then said, all right, now, who do you say I am? And Peter said, you are the Christ. This time he knew you are the son of the living God. You are the anointed one that was to come and is now here. You're the man. And you know what Jesus said to him? He said, Peter, blessed are you because you didn't learn this from going to church. You didn't learn this from reading the Jewish scriptures, the Old Testament. You didn't learn this from watching a video or reading a book or from hearing a teacher or a preacher or a rabbi. He said, blessed are you, Peter, because my father, the only true God, God himself revealed this to you. Revelation, personal experience with God, always trumps book knowledge and intellectual experience. God revealed that to Peter at that particular point in time. Now, God continually is revealing things to us all the time. How does he do that? Well, in the Old Testament, King David knew this, a man after God's own heart. King David wrote in Psalm 46.10, Be still and know that I am God. God speaks to us in all kinds of ways, through art, through music, through literature, through nature, through our singing, praise and worship, all kinds of different things, through other people. But God also speaks, still speaks, and loves to speak to us personally, to communicate directly to us. We may not hear an audible voice. Very few of us do very many times, but we certainly get impressions in our mind or in our gut or in our spirit. And we learn, as Jesus said, to hear his voice, get to the point where we just hear him speaking all the time. Well, that starts with being still, getting quiet, getting in a place where there's no music, no phone, no uh, devices, nobody else around. And we have the opportunity to do that today because we're stuck at home a lot. Not stuck at home, but we have to be at home. We get to be at home. Be still, be quiet with no distractions, and ask God to speak. And we can ask him whatever we want. It's great to do most of the listening because he's the one who has all the answers, and we want to know how he feels about us. But we can ask him questions, too. We can say, God, is it true that you are unconditional love with no conditions for everybody? 
God, is it true that your grace covers everyone and everybody? We can ask him different questions, and he will speak to us in different ways, but he'll tell us. Now, I want you to get this real carefully. I want you to get it. There is only one way to be rock solid on these five truths that I've given you, or whatever truths that you have. It's to have God himself reveal them to you. That's the only way you can be sure. See, that's what changed Peter from fear to love. And that's what changes us from uncertainty to certainty. Intellectual knowledge, no matter how many Bible classes you take, how many Bible verses you memorize, how many uh, small groups or Bible studies you go to or sermons you listen to, religious knowledge, systematic theology, doctrines, dogmas, and rituals— they will never give you confidence. They will never give you assurance. You may be intellectually proud that you've got all of your denominations and your church's statement of faith and beliefs down, and you can quote verses to back them up and all of that kind of stuff. But I can tell you, you will never have absolute confidence and assurance until God himself reveals something to you himself. Now, the early church had a name for that assurance. It was a Greek word, pleophoria, P-L-E-R-O-P-H-O-R-I-A. And what it means is absolute assurance that you've heard something from God and you know it's true. The writer of Hebrews wrote this in chapter 11, verse 1. Now, faith and we know it's the faith of Jesus, is the assurance, and it's where that word is used, one place, faith is the assurance, and the Amplified says, the confirmation, the title deeds of the things we hope for, being the proof of the things we do not see and the conviction of their reality, faith perceiving as real fact what is not revealed to the senses. Now, what that means is we don't see these things written down. We don't get them from our five senses. We get these things directly from God. We focus on the unseen, but what is real, and we get it directly from God. And that's when we know that we know that we know. Otherwise, we're getting somebody else's opinion about something, somebody that some bishop or conference superintendent or pastor or somebody like Calvin or Wesley or Luther or whoever, their opinion on something. And it's not that we can't learn from those things, but to have absolute assurance on something, you've got to get it from God himself. All right. You won't hear these truths that I just told you today in religious settings, because religious systems are beliefs based on man's interpretations in Scripture, and they all have their root in fear. See, religion, in the strict sense of the word, is being bound up. It's making every effort you possibly can to gain and maintain a right relationship with God. And you're not going to hear in a setting like that, that God is unconditional love for everyone, that God has already included everyone, that God's grace includes everyone and everything. You're not going to hear those things because religion has perverted that concept and 
has actually told us, no, that's not true. You've got to do this and you've got to do that. And God's love isn't for everyone and, and all of those different kinds of things. All right. Now, I'm not going to dwell on those lies, but I am going to take just a few minutes to show you how that particular virus, the fear virus, came about. Then we'll spend the remaining of our time focusing on the good news of the cure. Adam and Eve initially lived free of fear. They were hooked up to this perpetual IV of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in love and all their expressions of love. There was no fear, period. They only heard from God. Then one day, they heard a negative voice, and they instantly contracted the deadly fear virus. The immediate result was a fear-infected mindset that spread to all future humans. The virus was spread via lives from deception. Eve was like patient zero, and Adam was the first to catch the virus. First and foremost, all fear comes from, all fear has its root in mankind's initial belief in a lie about God's nature and character. The first and the root lie was the belief that God was not totally good. The lie that by man's actions, we could offend God and incur his so-called wrath and punishment. See, that wasn't true, but Adam and Eve believed that lie. They believe the lie that God withholds his blessings from us, and that we have to do things to gain and maintain God's favor. That is what religion is. Any attempt to gain and maintain God's favor by what we do. And see, none of that is true. I know you may have been taught that. I was taught that. I believe that. I've been a pastor for 20 years, and I still believe that. And then God revealed to me, and he has to many of you, that none of that's true. And that lie has been continually expanded and embellished by well-meaning but misinformed people throughout the centuries. Many of us have spent a good deal of our lives believing all or some of these lies, and the result is always fear. And religion uses that fear to control us. I think religion started out using that fear by trying to get people to live better and be morally better. The mindset or the motive might have been right, but it certainly went south quickly. For some people, the fear that we have because of even a little bit of religion that we get even indirectly, it just can be a nagging fear that, well, something that's not right. There's there's probably a God, and, you know, I haven't always crossed all my I's and dotted my T's. Yeah, I, I don't know what's going to happen. For others who are really indoctrinated into a fear-based controlling religious system, it can be a crippling fear. I know. I've talked face-to-face with people, comforted and counseled people who had that crippling fear. And that fear is absolutely not from God. God wants us to be free from it. You know what John wrote in 1 John four seventeen, that God is love, perfect love, and perfect love casts out all fear. If you have any fear at all about those five things that I mentioned earlier, if you have any fear that any of those aren't true, That's because you haven't yet grasped God's perfect love, because that perfect love casts out all that fear. Now, all of this fear is in our mind. The fear virus is a false mindset, a false mindset about God, a false mindset about ourselves, a false mindset about all other people. The false mindset is a dis-ease, disharmony, dissonance. We're out of tune with truth. And that brings about 
unease and angst and worry and fear. There was no cure for the fear virus until Jesus came and drew the entire virus of all the world into his body, and it died once for all. He defeated it. He lifted it up and sent it away, never to come back. The virus was administered by Jesus to all people at the cross. Jesus' death defeated it once for all. That's the amazing good news for all people for all time. And there is no bad news in the good news. You know, I believe that Jesus wants us to be absolutely confident in these core truths. And that means not to let anything shake our confidence. It means not to take any thoughts or give any credence to words or thoughts from anybody else that lessen or diminish or cast doubts or question these core truths about God's true identity. Remember, there's only one way to be rock solid on these five truths, and that's to have God himself reveal them to you. That's the only way you can be sure. Intellectual knowledge, religious knowledge, systematic theology, Bible verses, doctrines, dogmas, rituals, they will never give you confidence or assurance. Sadly, I know. I myself didn't have confidence and assurance because of that. And I had a mentor one time when I first really started following Jesus. This man was a good man. He was a pastor of over 35 years at the time, highly regarded and highly esteemed in denomination and church that I was in. And he mentored me for a couple of years. We spent a couple of hours together at least once a week. One time I asked him, I said, Pastor, are you 100% confident in God's goodness and that you're going to heaven? I'll never forget his response. And he said, no, maybe 90 some percent confident. Well, that just devastated me. I knew I could never live up to his reputation, and he wasn't confident. So you know what I did? I tried harder, and I worked harder, and I feared more and more, and I started to lose my joy. Intellectual knowledge won't give you confidence. But when you hear from God himself, the Holy Spirit of Christ in you, that God's love is perfect and it casts out all fear because fear has to do with the false belief, the lie that God's going to punish us or some people and torment us. Then when you hear once from God, once for all from God, that that's a lie, you know, you know that you know that you know, you're assured. Jesus came to free us from all of those lies. He didn't, he didn't come to expand the Jewish religion. He didn't come to start another religion. He came to do away with all of those religious lies. And for the first 300 years of the church, they were confident. Most of the people in the early church were confident. And people would come to them and say, wow, what? why are you so confident? Why are you so joyful? Especially when things aren't going well. They were characterized by joy. And if you think the coronavirus is bad, those people lived in danger of being fed to lions, being burned at the stake for parties that Roman leaders would have at night to provide light for their parties, being tortured. Yet they didn't let fear get the best of them, and they were characterized by love and joy even for their persecutors. Now, during that time, the major view of the Christians in the church, first 300 years, was the belief that God is love, God is totally good, there's no evil or no darkness in God, Christ is in us, there's no separation for anybody from God, there's no list-keeping by God, no distance, sin's not an issue with God. The main thing to them was God's unconditional love and inclusion of all people, and they had a word for that. The Greek word for that is called apokatesis, A-P-O-K-A-T-A-S-I-S. And it's uh, talked about in Acts chapter 3. What it means is 
having confidence in the ultimate restoration of all people, knowing that God's plan was, is, and always will be, and God will bring about the ultimate restoration of all people to our original condition as he originally intended us to be. Now, as Christianity developed, there were six major theological schools, and four of them taught this apocatasis, ultimate restoration of all. Two of the others weren't so good on that, but two-thirds of them were. And that's probably about the ratio of of how many people believe that. But then organized religion, starting as the Roman church took over Christianity, the Romans took over Christianity, organized religion started systematically changing that, changing the teaching. And over time, they literally started calling evil good and good evil to where most of the Christian religion now believes the lie that ultimate restoration which most of the people believe to begin with, they now believe that that's heresy and is false teaching. Now, fortunately, the Eastern Orthodox Church separated from the Roman Church early on over this belief and some other things, and they've never believed that. And there always have been pockets of people through the years who've held on to this original belief and assurance in the ultimate restoration of all. Sadly, though, the lies of the Western Church, the Roman Church, became the predominant view of the Western world and have been the predominant view of most of evangelical Christianity for the last few hundred years. But there's good news. Today, the Holy Spirit is blowing fresh wind all over the world through personal revelation. Through not big movements, not stadiums filled with people, and not things like that, not mega churches believing in it, but God revealing Himself, Herself, to individuals and little groups of people all over the world. Look at what Paul wrote in Colossians 1 25 to 29. This is the Passion Translation. And I've taken this to heart for myself, and I know many of you have too. Paul says, this is the very reason I've been made a minister by the authority of God and a servant to his body, so that in his detailed plan, I would fully equip you with the word, capital W, word of God, fully equip you to hear the word of God from Jesus himself, the Holy Spirit in you. He said, there is a divine mystery, a secret surprise that's been concealed from the world for generations. But he says, get this now, but now it's being revealed, unfolded, and manifested for every holy believer to experience. Jesus revealed this directly to Paul. He took him up to heaven, the third heaven. He showed him this. He spent 13 years with him in the Arabian desert, revealing this to him. And then Paul started writing and teaching about it. And Paul started doing what Jesus absolutely wanted him to do, helping us all know that Christ is in us and Christ speaks to us personally. He goes on in this verse. He says, living within you is the Christ who floods you with the expectation of glory, the hope of glory. This is the mystery of Christ embedded within us. And this mystery, Christ in us, becomes a heavenly treasure chest of hope filled with the riches of glory for his people. And God wants everyone to know it. Christ is in everyone. And what's he doing there? He's speaking to us. He's communicating to us. He's living as us. Paul goes on to say, Christ is our message. 
we preach to awaken hearts and bring every person into the full understanding of truth. He says, it's become my inspiration and passion in ministry to labor with a tireless intensity with his power flowing through me to present to every believer the revelation that they are perfect in Jesus Christ, the revelation that Christ is in them right now, communicating to them that they're perfect and that he's done all of that and that his love is perfect. Christ himself has convinced me of this, and I know that he has done this for many of you too. We know that God is constantly working all things for the good of those he loves, and he loves everyone. God didn't cause the coronavirus. He doesn't cause disasters. He doesn't give us things to test us or to get us to be better or things like that. But he does use what happens to bring about the good. God is using the situation now with the coronavirus scare to provide an amazing opportunity for people to learn the most important truths of all time. And I don't think I'm exaggerating at all there. So I encourage you to take these five core tenets that I talked about, meditate on them in your spirit. Now, don't argue with them in your mind. That's what religion has taught us to do. Whenever we hear something that doesn't go along with or is contrary to what we've heard from our religious organization, our mind has got those things that we've been taught by people that we respect, with people with letters after their name and stuff. And they're not the enemy. They're just well-meaning but misinformed people are repeating what they have heard all the way back to when the Roman church started going south in about the year 350 or something like that. Take these core tenets meditate on it. Don't argue. Don't let your mind argue and go, well, but what about, but what about, what about? Just set that aside. Be willing to be humble and teachable. Be still and ask the Holy Spirit of Christ in you to confirm them, to speak to you. Just say, God, are these things true about you? Are you unconditional love for everyone? Have you included everyone? Jesus, did your finished work at the cross include everyone? Jesus, are you in everyone? And then listen. Listen. Hey, thanks for listening to me today. I hope this has been helpful. I really appreciate you taking the time to spend with me. I'll see you next time on Grace to All with Paul Gray. Thank you for listening to Grace to All. For more about us, how we can serve you, and our special guest, please visit www.gracewithpaulgray.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode and to join our Facebook group, Grace to All, where you'll be inspired and awakened to more truth that you can handle.